Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. But it is important to note that these numbers do not fully reflect the recent drop in gas prices. Average national gas prices have fallen every day for nearly 30 days. Since mid-June, prices are down 40 cents a gallon. Fighting inflation is one of our administration's top... It looks like a hostage video. Vice President Kamala Harris there. It sounds like a hostage video. Inflation up 9.1%. It doesn't fully reflect the economy, okay? Gas prices down, I'm excited. But down 40 cents leaves us at $4.75 a gallon on average across the country. You want me to cheer such a thing? Well, it could be $5.15 a gallon. That's a weird take. That's a weird take. I've only had one cup of rice to feed my family for a week. Well, I mean, hey, it could, it could be worse. It could only be half a cup. It's a strange, strange take, and certainly one that is wholly un-American. The argument should be is we're going in the right direction. We need to continue to do so. Here are the policies that get us there. There are no policies that are getting us there. It's what? It's luck? It's changing in, in consumption habits that is allowing prices to go down because there's a touch more supply? No move towards energy independence for the people who call it that. No move towards energy dominance for the people who call it that. Call it that. Me, it's just a conversation about energy security, which means you ensure that you're drilling in the places that you can actually drill in the U.S., which would mean the United States being proactive and getting companies to do the testing to see whether or not there is energy underfoot where they have the permits, considering that you're never going to give up this whole permitting insanity. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, guys, back from Vegas, and the voice is just getting punched. Well, I, I assume in the throat, that's where your voice would be punched. 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. That is the number, 833-GOT-TONY. Yeah, just, I, I think one more day of sleep, because it's Vegas, and it's a conference, and you're not getting enough sleep, and then early morning flights, and time zone changes, and then desert to non uh, well, a billion excuses. I, I need one more good day of sleep, and then I'll be good to go. Vice President Harris wants you to know the economy is going great. And then, of course, she wants you to know this as well. Better benefits. In particular, workers from underrepresented backgrounds. Together, we are expanding access to transportation. Seems like maybe it's a small issue. It's a big issue. You need to get to go. And need to be able to get where you need to go to do the work and get home. So we have expanded access to transportation, including what we need to do to invest in public transit. She's ridiculous. You need to get going and get to go where you need to go to go. Seems like maybe it's a small issue. It's a big issue. You need to get to go and need to be able to get where you need to go to do the work. And get home. It's it, it. There is no limit to her ability to not be able to communicate properly. 
Inflation, 9.1%. That is the increase. Even when you pull out food and energy prices, the CPI, that core, that's up 5.9% compared to the estimate of 5.7%. So whether you look at this on a month-by-month basis, you look at this as a year-by-year basis, whether you look at core CPI versus the total, uh, the consumer price index, whether you look at the total, you are higher, 9.1% compared to an 8.8% estimate, 5.9% compared to a 5.7% estimate when you take out food and energy prices. And they want to tell you that it's fine and that things are so much better because that's all backwards looking. That's looking at the month past compared to what's going on now. Bless their soul. Bless uh, their their soul. Now, that is 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 one of the big stories of the day, not the only story of the day. Joe Biden has landed at Ben-Gurion Airport in Israel, making these remarks uh, upon landing. On technology. We'll continue to advance Israel's integration into the region, expand emerging forms and engagement like the new I2U2 summit, which will bring Israel, the United States, the UAE together, and India as well, to deepen our economic cooperation between the Middle East and the Indo-Pacific. Greater peace, greater stability, greater connection, it's critical. It's critical, if I might add, for all the people of the region, which is why we'll, be, we'll discuss my continued support, even though I know it's not in the near term, a two-state solution. That remains, in my view, the best way to ensure the future of equal measure of freedom, prosperity, and democracy for Israelis and Palestinians alike. We're going to celebrate the ending of people-to-people connection and the enduring connection that binds our nations together, commemorate the history that we must never allow to repeat itself. Later today, I will once more return to the hollow ground of Yad Vashem. He meant Yad Vashem, which is the Holocaust Memorial in in Israel, and always good that he he should mention uh, such a thing. Two-state solution can't be done if you have one state that wants to destroy another state. But until he's willing to state Hamas is the enemy, and until Hamas is driven out of uh, Gaza, there can be no peace. We will, of course, have no peace. Then, of course, he has his party and people like Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib who don't believe in a two-state solution. They don't believe in Israel's existence. Follow my argument. You can't have two states if one of them is led by a terrorist organization that wants to kill the other. Then you have the Rashida Tlaib, Congresswoman Tlaib conversation that there shouldn't even be two states. Israel shouldn't exist at all. Me, if you're asking, I don't believe in a two-state solution at all. I believe that we have seen and we have been shown that that is simply not possible. I think a lot of what we're seeing in terms of Israel's growth, in terms of changes in the the Middle East, as as we describe it, come from the Abraham Accords, which I believe longer term will actually be a larger part of Trump's legacy than even the Supreme Court. And I know that's going to seem to some people like like that's that's an odd take, But the idea that legitimacy with Israel can be achieved 
without having to have a discussion about the Palestinians who are, of course, supported by terrorists. That you can have the conversation, that you can engage a, a relationship with Israel, whether it be trade or whether it be tourism, without having to worry about that peace being handled. That is reshaping the globe. You have tourism between Israel and the UAE? It's, it's insane. It's unbelievable. It creates better, it's easier to create relationships with people you consider a friend. It's a lot easier to create a relationship with somebody who you've had over for dinner. That's the importance of the Abraham Accords. That is, to me, a huge part, huge, huge part of the Donald Trump legacy. And one that doesn't get a, a, enough respect, doesn't get enough enough conversation, doesn't get enough support. So these this, this inflation conversation, which we'll get more into, and of course, uh, Biden and Israel, big things are going on. Uh, I do have a couple things to get to. Uh, specifically, um, not, not only more about, about inflation, but about the struggle sessions. And this madness that took place with Senator Josh Hawley regarding transgender people. We have to be clear and focused in our conversations and what is being said and by whom. I plan on doing exactly that. I will explain myself clearly and plainly and let those who are upset be just that. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. can't get those things on our own. Raul helped build this organization with the understanding that the diversity of this community, as distinct as the Bogodas of the Bronx, as beautiful as the blossoms of Miami, and as unique as the breakfast tacos here in San Antonio. Now, it's one thing to sit there and call people who are Hispanic breakfast tacos. Compare them to breakfast tacos. But I think the bigger insult might be the use of the word bogota as opposed to uh, bodega. She doesn't know bodega? Jill Biden? Sorry, Dr. Jill Biden? Good Lord. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. What's going on, everybody? 833-468-8669. Got Tony. Comparing... She did. She compared Latinos to breakfast tacos, which I just chalk this up under things a Republican could never do. It's so surreal. She didn't know that that sounded bad. She didn't know that that would come across as problematic. No, she didn't think anything. She had to, she was talking about diversity. Diversity is the only thing that matters. Diversity is the only thing that counts. And when you make this your lifeblood and you have to prove your diversity every single day, well, you end up saying very foolish things because you're not sure what to say. So you say anything because you had to say something in order to, um, You know, satisfy the, the 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 woke. 
And somebody wrote that speech for her, too. Like, she wasn't just freewheeling. Um, I can't confirm whether or not it was a drop-in. I don't know. Whether or not she made that call, whether or not it was something that came later. Because if somebody, let's argue, Ari, that somebody wrote that. Let's argue that somebody uh, put that in there. That means someone said, hmm, this is a good idea. And someone read that and said, hmm, that's a good idea because they more than one speechwriter. And then she looked at it and said, hmm, that's a good idea. And everyone thought it was a good idea. Yes, that's what I think happened. Oh, that's even, that's even worse. That's my point. Like, I, there's no way she freewheeled that, dude. Like, that was in the script. People looked at that and said that was good. I don't know. I do, I do, that makes it even worse, man. That makes it so much, it makes it so much worse. Yeah. Oh, good Lord. The hits just keep on coming. She deserves every hit uh, that that she, that she gets uh, because of this. She deserves uh, it. And, and the best was, did you hear the apology? The apology is world class. The apology is of rock star status. Here is the apology. Wait, hold on, hold on. I'm sorry. It doesn't come from her. It comes from her press secretary. Her press secretary wrote the apology. The first lady apologizes that her words conveyed anything but pure admiration and love for the Latino community. Not even Latinx. She didn't even have the decency to call them Latinx. The Latino community. Yeah, like she's really diverse. It came from the damn press secretary. Why couldn't she do it herself? So she she looks the damn fool. And then her press secretary has to bail her out by looking the damn fool. Now, I know some people categorize this as uh, just, you know, some good old-fashioned progressive racism. You're a little bit racist. Well, you're a little bit too. I guess we're both a little bit racist. Admitting it is not an easy thing to do. But I guess it's true. Between me and you, I think everyone's a little bit racist sometimes. More musicals than any other radio show in America. I don't think it was racist. I think it was how we discussed it. When diversity is your watchword, but you don't know what diversity means, you don't know how to engage such a thing, you utilize diversity not because you're looking for a multiplicity of thoughts, ideas, feelings, uh, concepts, points of view, but rather from a place of fear fear that if you are not discussing diversity or acting in the engagement of diversity, you will be called a racist. You will end up saying ignorant things because you don't know where the line is. You just have to keep proving it and proving it and proving it and proving it. Luckily for her, she's uh, uh, amongst those people who will gladly give her a pass. And this goes in, in, in the category of things Republicans couldn't say. If a Republican said that, if a Republican said that, it's always a great game. Always, if a Republican said that, they'd be destroyed, ruined, crushed, 
Marco Rubio didn't say that. Instead, um, Marco Rubio uh, put out a picture of a taco with hashtag new profile pic. You got you to gotta have some fun with it. You got to have a good time with it. And then there was uh, um, Jorge Bonilla of, uh, of uh, Media Research Center. A safe and blessed Taco Tuesday to those who observe. That's funny. I mean, you you can you can do one of two things with these things. Uh, you you can decide to be so offended you don't know which way is up, or you can mock for the madness that it is. I think the the madness that it is part is so imperative to note. This is the part to share with friends. This is the part to share uh, with with your kids. The idea of diversity, the idea of hearing points of view, is is a valuable one. It's a very valuable one. Just because you hear a point of view don't, doesn't mean you have to ascribe to that point of view. It means you heard it. Hmm. And then you weighed it against your own mind and, and logic, and you're like, all right, that's interesting. I could take that nugget, or nope, that doesn't work for me, and I leave it be. They look at diversity as making sure you have an equal number of this, that, and the other on, on, a, on a corporate board, or this, that, and the other in a company, or you're saying this to this group, you're saying that to that group, and you're always uh, engaged in a conversation that keeps you from having real and uh, important conversations. And so it's important to utilize these moments to say, look at the ridiculousness of her commentary. She was so desperate to show how diverse she was that look who she insulted. You can't be desperate for the thing. What you have to do is be someone who has an, a mind and an open mind. An open mind doesn't mean that you agree with somebody else. It means you're willing to listen to somebody else. But when they show you that they have nothing to offer, you don't have to bother with them anymore. You can then go to somebody else. Don't let them stop you from hearing from somebody else or engaging with somebody else or searching out somebody else's thoughts and ideas. This push for diversity, I have said this before. And I will say it again. In five years, you won't see DEI on any corporate boards. You won't see anybody engaging this flat-out bigotry. This, this, it's bigotry. And you won't, you won't see in, in everyday life people engaging like Jill Biden. You will see that only from the Jill Bidens, from the progressives. And there's a reason for this. Axios has this story. I'll share it with you. About... How the political parties are engaging. And I will have some backup to it. Also, uh, Dr. Fauci making some solid admissions. Finally, he's catching up to the science we've been talking about for three years on COVID. Has it been three years or just feel that way? I'm Tony Katz. Staring right now at a video of this parade of people crossing the river into Eagle Pass, Texas. Just person after person after person, maybe 200 or so so far. I mean, the video is only a, a minute long, and they're just coming out of what looks like the woods and into the river and just crossing the river. We're just walking our way into America. This is what you do. It's totally fine. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today.
Hope everyone's doing well. 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. But tell me more about how we've got strong border policies and the border isn't wide open. The border's wide open. If you're not going to be immediately deported back, if you're not immediately, immediately going to be told you're not allowed entry into the country this way, well, then, if, if, if you don't have a, a policy by which you say we're just not letting people willy-nilly into the country, but rather millions of people in Honduras and Nicaragua and El Salvador and other places believe you can just walk right in, they believe it. They're not just fools selling themselves into the hands of coyotes and hoping for good luck. They believe it to be easy. And, uh, and and here we are. Now, you you heard me discuss, if, if, if you were checking out the show, the, the conversation, the questions of the Indie Star. The Indie Star, the Indianapolis Star, which engaged a story about a 10-year-old being raped. That's how the story started. A 10-year-old was raped in Ohio. And because of Ohio trigger laws, could not get to Indiana or could not have an abortion in Ohio. They had to come to Indiana for an abortion. And there were a lot of questions that came up, a tremendous number of questions. I asked the following, because if you have a 10-year-old that has been raped, first of all, the horror of such a thing is beyond uh, any anybody's rational thought process. Um there would be a rape kit. And according to the Attorney General of Ohio, there wasn't such. There would be some uh, filing of a police report. That was, where where in the world was it? Why wasn't it there? It was Megan Fox of PJ Media who had been doing reporting on this, asking legitimate basic questions. I am asking legitimate basic questions. More than, and, and not only am I asking them, I, I wouldn't even back down on them for a second because there were questions about the reporting. And the questions went as follows. What are the standards? What are your procedures for vetting the authenticity of a story? Were those procedures followed in the reporting of, of this story? Because the Indy Star, the Indianapolis Star, put out this story, and there were real serious questions about it. So I asked, what are your procedures for vetting the authenticity of a story? Were those procedures followed in the reporting of She's 10? That's how it's been, uh, you know, trending on, on social. Will you be fully transparent about both the questions above? And if procedure was not followed, will anyone be fired? You had a, a guy by the name of Bro Crift who's with the Indianapolis Star. And his his commentary, the executive editor, his commentary was, we, we, we searched it, we're not, we, we, we did the research, we're not answering any questions at this time. And I'm like, that's nonsense. There are questions that need to be answered. The Indy Star has a story out today that an Ohio man has been charged with raping a 10-year-old Ohio girl whose travel to Indiana to seek an abortion has led to international attention following the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. 
international attention. Well, Gershon Fuentes, whose last known address was an apartment in Columbus, Ohio, was arrested Tuesday after police say he confessed to raping the child on at least two occasions. We would have been better off if the story was a hoax. This is horror on horror on horror. Absolutely horrible. The story was put forth and has been put forth. It was used by President Biden in a conversation. It was used by the uh, the, uh, the the leader of the Indiana House Democrats, uh, Phil Giaquinta, in a conversation in front of Vice President Harris. And there were these questions. Now they're saying that Columbus police were made aware of the pregnancy through a referral. And there's been testimony at, at, a, uh, at an arraignment hearing that the girl went uh, uh, underwent an abortion in Indianapolis. They're now testing DNA. So why was there no documentation that existed before? More questions that we want answers to. I get that people look at these things and say, my God, here we are pushing narrative. Now, I, I'm one of the people who looked at this and said, if you don't tell, if you can't tell me what your vetting procedures are, if you can't tell me if they were followed, if you tell me I don't get to ask, man, I'm going to make some pretty ugly assumptions. But my questions are there. Social media, they'll be there for forever. My questions didn't, I didn't call anybody a liar. That's exactly the thing I didn't do. Because as I said, I was having this conversation with um, uh, Hammer and Nigel, right? Three to, three to 7 p.m. on WIBC here in Indiana. I was talking to Nigel about it. I said, I'm not having the abortion conversation here. I want to know about the vetting procedures. I want to know about the actual reporting. This is what I wanted to know about. How did this story come to be? You know, I talked about it on, on, on my morning show. I said, did the Indie Star make up the story about She's 10? Have they explained their uh, system for vetting stories? Where has the Indie media been in covering the story? This is a story about Indianapolis media. That here you have this, 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 these questions, and these are legit questions based on what we knew, and no one, no one said a word. Like, like it didn't matter, which is very strange stuff to me. Now we have this reporting. So now we're going to be breaking down these charges. They admit that the story quickly went viral. And some people question the story as unproven. Well, when you have people not being able to find basic information, they're going to ask questions about it. This is a story that says here, we now have charges. Okay. And by the way, if 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 true, thank and I I I've got to assume it is, they're gonna run this story too? Thank goodness somebody was caught. We get so wrapped up in the insanity of the politics, we lose sight of the humanity in the conversation. People said to me when I was asking questions about this over the weekend, why, do you, why are you trying to out this 10-year-old girl? Do you think this is about a child? This isn't, it was never about a child. 
I never suggested such a thing. I did ask questions, and I would, and I gladly do, or gladly did about if there is reporting that has to be done. Right? You are you're a doctor, and a child comes in that was raped. Do you report that? And if so, where is that report? Why can't we get information about it to be able to authenticate a story? That seems to me to be a very rational thing to do. Wanting authentication of a story matters greatly. Demanding that the press be held to account and then they can account is exactly, exactly what you would want to see. They had on Fox News the Ohio Attorney General David Yost, who said there was no whisper of a report being filed for a 10-year-old victim. If you have the AG saying we don't have a report, people could say, well, the AG says they don't have a report of this, so where did you get it? The people who said you're not allowed to ask a question, you just have to accept the reporting, that's nuts. So by not being radical people, but instead being rational people, we were able to ask tough questions, analyze why those tough questions needed to be asked based on what we knew at the time. Now we have more information. We didn't jump to conclusions. We asked questions about what was being provided. I will tell you that I did find, and I, uh, the, the response of the executive editor, Bro Crift, to be totally unacceptable. We've done the research. We've got no other further comments. You got no further comment. I'm sorry. That might work for you, but that didn't work for the rest of us. And I stand by that. But now we have this story from the Indianapolis Star that there are criminal charges. I want to know everything we can know about Gershon Fuentes. What's his story? Uh, How this happened? Twice? Is there a history here? There's a series of things that, that I want to know. A series of things. Secondly, I don't know what we say about a society that is uh, abusing children. You will not get me to favor abusing children because I may be a pro-life guy. Which, of course, now will bring the question, what do you tell the 10-year-old? It seems that the, the, the pro-choice people, really the pro-abortionists, don't understand the pro-lifers at all, which is how this conversation got addressed last Friday. I was having this this conversation because the story had come up, and I didn't address the authenticity of the story. Rather, I, I, I stated, I, I, here's how pro-lifers might re- respond. That I'm a pro-life guy, I don't wouldn't put me in the pro-life category, meaning it's never been the lead subject on, on, on any of my radio shows. It's just not. But if you ask me, does abortion kill something, the answer is yes. Clearly, obviously, abortion kills something. Uh, which is why I'm a pro-life guy. So I, I really do believe that the, the pro-choicers, the pro-abortionists at this stage of the game, don't understand the pro-life side. And their answer is um, not that the rape isn't horrible, awful, obscene. 
a, a, a work of violence and cruelty, the likes of which we cannot fathom. You don't make things better by ending a life. This is the argument. Things are not better for this child. Things are not better for this life that is inside her. It's not. I get emotion. And I. one of the things that I think is wrong is if you were to tell people they're not allowed to have their emotion, that you're entitled to have your emotions. The difference is I am not governed by mine, and I sure as bloody hell won't be governed by yours. We must start with the fact that we're talking about something so awful. We should we should both we should both be sickened by the idea of it. But what do we do now? This ten-year-old shouldn't be shouldn't be uh, forced to carry this child. This child did nothing wrong. Those are both compelling arguments, which is why states are so much better off being able to make this decision on how they want to handle these things. So much better off. I believe that states' rights matter and that states should make this call and not the federal government. And I believe that uh, the, the, the pro-choice people have an argument about you can't do this to a child. You can't force her to take this this baby to term. And the pro-life side has an argument, which is it is a baby who did nothing wrong. Killing it doesn't take away the horror of what happened. And yes, there are a number of in, in outrageous number of, or an outrageous number of uh, parents, uh, adoptive parents who are ready to go. Now, one of the other questions that got brought up was why did this child have to come to Indiana to begin with? Why did this child have to come to Indiana? That's a, 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 a legitimate question. Because as we, we, know, we know the story... There were, there were, um, I believe even the trigger laws in place there would have had exceptions. I, so I'm not still, I'm still not sure how that part came to be and, and I'll wait for more investigation. That the... I asked tough questions of the Indie Star, and I don't shy away from them. I won't shy away from them. I want to know about how they vet a story. And were those procedures followed? Man, if you think there's something wrong with that, I don't know what to say. We now have charges against someone for the rape of a 10-year-old, which, holy cow. I still have questions. But I've got the story here. You can check it out at the Indy Star. More to get to. I'm Tony Counts. So Fauci is now admitting that Listen, a vaccine doesn't stop you from getting COVID. It just helps you uh, to really fight serious illness and hospitalization. 
Well, no kidding. No kidding. Is that right? A vaccine doesn't stop you from getting COVID? What in the world do you know about that? Good Lord. I mean, that's, that is stunning. If he'd only listened to this show every day for the last couple of years. Meanwhile, they're calling it transanity, and they're right. What happened with Senator Josh Hawley in Missouri? I have got that. And Maisie Hirono with a super-duper hot take. I will share that with you coming up. Keep it here, guys. This is Tony Katz today.